Hello and welcome to the Motion E podcast. I'm Stuart Garlick and today I'm going to play my interview with 2019 World Rallycross champion Timmy Hansen. Uh, the driver has enjoyed great success in Rallycross with his family team, Peugeot Team Hansen. And now he's also going to be crossing over into Extreme E, the electric off-road form of motorsport, which is beginning in 2021. He's joining Andretti United in Extreme E and he'll be racing along with Katie Munnings, who we've already spoken to on this podcast. Now, Rallycross is not an area that we've spoken about on Motion E and to be quite honest with you, it's not an area that I'm a huge expert on. Now, to talk about all this, I have invited Amy Stokes on. Uh, she's the Rallycross writer for Pit Crew Online. We'll be talking to Amy both before and after the Timmy Hansen interview. Thank you so much for coming on, Amy. It's nice to be here. Thanks. So, um, when did you start writing about Rallycross for the Pit Crew Online then? So, I started writing for Pit Crew Online over the sort of the quarantine break before anything really started happening again but i've been watching rallycross for a couple of years now i went out to latvia last year to actually watch one of the events live as well well um L- latvia um it's pretty much the uh, only global motorsport event um in in latvia um yeah and- of course, we had the Rally Estonia this year, so that was pretty cool. Mm. But uh, uh, what was the atmosphere like? I, I think it was in Riga, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, about a 20-minute drive out of the city centre of Riga. Oh, it was amazing. They had a, a couple of Latvian drivers in the event as well. And every time the Latvian drivers drove past, there was just a massive cheer. But because they also had a Lithuanian driver, there was a, he had a big support as well. But it was just, it was such a nice atmosphere because you could just walk straight into the paddock, chat with all the drivers, chat with all the engineers, just there because you've got, you've bought a ticket, you can just go straight in. There's no like paying extra or anything. Um, I th- I think Rallycross is uh, such an underrated branch of motorsport and I'd love to get your impression why it might be that way because to me, it's got the uh, all of the exciting parts and none of the annoying gimmicky parts of those <laughs> Top Gear Rally Super Specials from the 2000s. It, it's, it's got all of the uh, sort of exciting near misses and sometimes actual hits um, of um, the Super Specials. And, but, and also, you've got none of that kind of needing to watch the clocks business because you can see where the cars are on the track uh, to, to me it um it feels like watching uh watching a kind of old racing video game in real time it feels great but uh, why do you think it's so underrated by so many people i mean it only became a world championship in 2014 before that it was just european but it's just most people if they're going to watch motorsport they're gonna pick the one that they've heard of they're not gonna try and look out something that they've never heard of with drivers they don't know about but i think it is as you said it's it's the per- it's one of the perfect forms of motorsport because it's fast paced always something happening and you never really quite know what's going to happen and um as i say i i, I was 
lucky enough to speak to Timmy Hansen, obviously the reigning world champion. But mm-hmm. um, so the reason I wanted to speak to you is because um, it's very easy from YouTube and from research to get an impression of how good he is. But um, obviously you, you watch every one of his outings. And so you, you've seen him kind of uh, grow from being the uh, young ex-single seater driver to being the, you know, current reigning and well, potentially in with the shout of being double world champion this season. So, um, first of all, how good is he uh, compared to the rest? And um, obviously the Lewis Hamilton debate, how much does he benefit from having uh, that great team around him at Team Hansen? Um, I mean, last year in Rallycross, so in 2019, it was a bit of an odd year because all the uh, manufacturers, uh, all the manufacturing backing pulled out. So every team was classed as a privateer team. Um, So you had Team Hansen, who were running Timmy and his younger brother, Kevin, with the Peugeot 208s. And then their main rivals were Monster Energy RX Cartel, who had Andreas Backerud and Leon Doran in the Audi A1. And it wasn't Timmy outright winning every race and dominating in a way you would see Lewis Hamilton dominate in F1. It was more a back and forth between Timmy, Andreas Bakkerud and Kevin Hansen somewhat and potentially another driver called Niklas Gronholm. However, he was ill for part of the, um, the season, so that was quite unfortunate for him. But it was Timmy is very talented he has a lot of natural skill and he's naturally a very quick driver as well but having the family support around him so him they have something called spotters in rallycross which basically tell you when you to go and take the joker lap his spotter is either his mum or his dad depending on the race round and that's really important to them because of the family dynamic they have their family is based around Rallycross. You know, the parents being the team owner, the two sons being the drivers. It's one of the most amazing dynamics I think you could ever get. And when I was actually at the event, I was able to speak to Kevin and he was he was so happy just to see everyone and just see his family working on everything. And um, I, th- I think it's, uh, um, l- like you say, from what I can see, it's a tremendous rapport they've got, um, obviously. Mm. And um, y- you don't really see that in any other top-level motorsport. Uh, you-, you-, you don't really see a driver driving for his family team. I- arguably Marco Andretti driving for Andretti mm. in IndyCar, but um, you-, you-, you don't see anyone going out and creaming the field uh, like Timmy seems to be able to on occasions. Yeah, I think you... Rallycross is much because it's such a small form of motorsport. A lot of it is family run. So this year you've got Team Hansen, you've got Johan Christofferson who's running Christofferson Motorsport with his dad, and then you've got um, the Grandholms running their team as well. So, but the only ones that have had significant success as like a proper out and out team would be the Hansons. You could arguably you could say when Petter Solberg was racing with Johan Christofferson, but 
they obviously don't have the same sort of family dynamic that the Hansons do. Mm. The uh, name Grunholm just brings me out in a cold sweat because uh, he, he um, Marcus Grunholm was one of the most annoying rally drivers of the late 90s <laughs> because he was always slightly better than Colin McRae and no one wants to admit it. Um, or, or at least he was able to finish more rallies than Colin McRae. Mm. <laughs> but uh, what's, it, what's his son like, uh, Nicholas? Uh, Nicholas is, he's very talented as well. He's He's won a couple of rounds. He he's never one to be happy when he finishes in second place, like most drivers. But I think because of the name, he feels like he's got to carry the prestige. And he is he's currently in the Hyundai i twenties, which is a very very nice rallycross car. And he just seems to be able to extract a lot of performance out of it that other drivers can't. Okay, so um, you're obviously the uh, reigning, well, 2019 World Rallycross champion, and so there isn't really a better person to ask in terms of uh, transferring the skills to Extreme E and in terms of the differences, but before we get to the Extreme E test, which I know you took part in recently, uh, maybe you'd like to tell us a bit about what you feel it takes to drive a World Rallycross car quickly, and... Uh, just the kinds of driving skills that you need for rallycross that maybe people don't need for um, circuit racing because I know you did single seaters until uh, the middle of your career, for example. Yeah, um, well, rallycross has come a long way in the years that I've been there, and I came from a background of single seaters and uh, from from racing, and I brought those skills into rallycross, uh, and this is back in 2013, 14 when when I started to race and in the beginning of the Rallycross World Championship. Uh, in the same time, um, rally drivers was coming in, uh, like Peter Solberg or, or Sebastian Loeb, of course. Um, and uh, I would say at the start, it was really a, a class in between racing and rallying, where both skills, both skills were, were highly valued. Uh, but as, as time has moved on, uh, it's kind of come to come to a place where you have to be now a rallycross driver, uh, and it is somewhere in between. Uh, you have to have the car control of of rallying, of, and you have to have the precision of racing, and then combining those. So you know, car moving around uh, underneath you, uh, playing on the gravel, as well as being you know spot on on that apex, no matter matter if it's gravel or or tarmac, and being able to do a run, come back, analyze it, and improve those little details as, as they do in racing. So right now, I would say it's like MMA of fighting. You know, um, in the beginning, it was coming together of different disciplines. And right now, you just have to be a fast rallycross driver. Right. And um, obviously, World Rallycross is undergoing some changes. And um, I, I would have liked to have been featuring World Rallycross on my site this season because it was due to go electric obviously until uh uh things happened in 2020 that were out of our control um it looked like it might have been on on the train towards that but um how far away is the electric wrx in your opinion and um how likely does it look uh, that it will be happening soon 
Um, well, they postponed it due to everything that happened this year with COVID. They postponed it to 22, uh, which means one more year with, with the current regulation of rallycross cars. And then after that, we'll go into, uh, we'll go into electric and um, being four wheel drive cars looking quite similar as they do today, but with an electric powertrain. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely going to happen. Uh, news was out lately that we'll have a change of promoter, uh, which, which kind of gives the sport a fresh start, I think. Uh, going into new regulation, a new era of electric, we'll also, we'll also have you know a different broadcast and a different packaging of, of the whole championship. So it is feeling very exciting. Um, and Rallycross, uh, well, since the last few years has been fantastic. And so many things happening in the sport. Uh, it's very unpredictable. And of course, it's close to my heart. Uh, you know, my father was driving when I was a kid and now now myself and we're running the team. So uh, it's definitely a sport that I love and I wish the best for, for rallycross. Yeah. And by, by the way, your father, Kenneth Hansen, uh, something of a hero to people who followed it in the 90s. Uh, he, he was uh, definitely uh, one one of the uh, one of the favorite drivers, I think, at, at the time. So it, it was it was good to see his kids and his family doing so well. Um, and obviously you're driving for Peugeot team Hansen uh, this season. And um, that's um, that's that's a team run by him and run by your mother. And it's uh, all very close knit. And obviously your, your brother is your teammate. Um, how different is that to any other racing experience? Uh, I, I would imagine that driving for any other racing team, you obviously need to get to know the personnel and you need to build that rapport. But if it's your family team, then you go straight in uh, knowing everyone important within the team. Um, how different has that been, do you think? I think actually running a family team is is quite similar to, to the rest of the world and running a family company. Um, it uh, can definitely have some huge advantages uh, with us knowing each other and uh, and you know that that passion and that drive that brings not only the four of us in the family but the whole the whole big big team into a big family um, is definitely giving us good results. Uh, we we are a small team and uh, not not so many people as we were back in the factory team days. Uh, but still we're able to achieve some great results both on track uh, with strategy, with, with setup of the car and, and also with development of the car. So those are some of the big advantages that, that we can have uh, in a fa family team, uh, all that passion. Um, that said, it's also uh, sometimes it would be nice you know, to have a normal family dinner, but in a way we're always working. Um, so, uh, you know... Uh, that can maybe be the backside that it's uh, it's hard to come come home to my mom and dad, you know, with uh, with my own family uh, and and talk to them as as usual. So uh, that can maybe be the backside, you know, is quite is quite wearing in in the long run. Um, but anything is, I guess. And if we want to have success, you need to you need to work hard. So for us, it's been working very well. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been here. Yeah. So I'd like to get an insight into um, the kind of driving style that a rallycross driver needs. You, you said that it's a very specific driving style now, and it's it's not any longer really a mixture of rally and circuit racing. But um, were you able to carry over that rallycross driving style to the Extreme E Odyssey 21, or did you need to make some tweaks to your style, and what were they? Um, no, actually, 
I haven't had that much time in the car. Uh, can it be an hour uh, maximum? Uh, combining first time I was testing the car and now uh, a couple of weeks ago when I came back to to drive it again. And uh, of course, you have to adapt to the car that you are in. That means you know getting to know it's it's heavy, it's four wheel drive, um, the electric part with without shifting. Um, I found it quite easy actually to, to get into, you know, because there are less things to do. So, and the chassis, they have built a fantastic race car um, right out of the box. It's it's working in a very efficient way, in a very good way, a very linear car. So um, the car makes it very easy for you to, to get to know it. And uh, it really wants to be driven fast. Uh, you don't, you don't need a big building up time. It just gives you confidence. Uh, so, um, I don't know exactly, you know, which, which driving style I had going into it. I just drove, drove on whatever feels the best and, uh, drove around the track and I think it went pretty well. Um, I feel familiar with the car already. I think the big adapting I need to do, uh, comes when, when we go more off-road, um, learning tracks learning new tracks in out in nature uh reading reading the nature and being able to first of all remember that but then second figure out which way is the fastest and uh and how much do i dare to push through these obstacles uh through this bump through this jump uh, corner uh that's gonna be i think that's gonna be my big challenge uh coming into extreme yeah, um, as you mentioned, it's a heavy car, and as you mentioned, it's uh, it's a much bigger car as well than uh, the World Rallycross cars that you normally drive. Um, so, um, I mean, what I what I would love to know is, uh, is it quite a tail happy car from your experience? Is it easy to is it easy to make it drift as you'd like it to, um, or does it take a bit of work to actually make it uh, work through those corners quickly as you would normally expect to be driving a Rallycross car, for example? Um. Yeah, I would. I would actually say uh, it's it's uh, maybe slightly understeering. So so at the point we are now, so we haven't gotten the car to the team yet and, and started working with it. But the main focus, uh, or you always have to be quite focused on getting the rotation on the entry. Um, the first few laps, it was quite easy to get into some big understeers because you underdid the rotation on the entry. So it's quite an aggressive driving style. I would say, uh, like throwing it into the corner, making sure the nose is pointed the right direction uh, so we can get on throttle and, and have the best possible exit. Um, I think it's part of that is because we don't have a handbrake. So we need to do all that rotation only using uh, the brake and the, the weight transfer in the car. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I've gotten to know it. Me and Katie together in the car, we, we had really good discussions uh, on how to improve our driving, what was efficient, what, what worked, what didn't, uh, changing the balance and learning a bit from each other um, through those laps that we had. So uh, it's quite limited the running we had, but uh, getting to benefit from learning from the other driver uh, was quite useful. Me and Katie, we, we will be teammates um, in Andretti United Extreme E. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be working together on, on what, whatever there is. So she has a great rallying background, uh, meaning that I'll probably try to learn some pace notes from her. Uh, that could be useful in the, 
learning the track parts and uh, and then um, yeah then I think we have to be very open to what what it takes to drive this car um, so and and you know basically the better she does the better it is for me so so we we will win or we will lose this race together yeah um a lot of racing drivers um are by nature selfish because that's what you have to be to get to the top but uh this particular version of motorsport is obviously about sharing cars and about sharing as you say pace notes and acting as a navigator for the other driver uh does that require a kind of a change in your mindset as an athlete to become someone who uh shares the experience with somebody else and also someone who uh you know has to obviously help the other person who's driving Actually, I don't agree uh, from the beginning there that you have to be selfish to be successful. Um, actually, I see it quite the opposite that the more the more you can give, the more you'll get back. And I think me and my brother in in World Rallycross, we uh, are probably the best example of of that in in the 2019 season. Um, I obviously won the championship with the smallest possible margin. Um, Kevin finishing also on the podium in third. Um, and if we wouldn't have shared, you know, absolutely everything from from our daily routines, uh, training together out on onto the racetrack and and really wanting each other, purely wanting each other to do well, uh, because he's my brother, obviously. Then if I if we wouldn't have had that relationship and uh, which then we could bring out on track in a in helping each other going faster and teammate driving through to get out of turn one in first and second place. Um, without that, I wouldn't have been world champion. So I see no difference in racing with Katie now that uh, I'm not racing against her, but with her. And it is together that we need to figure out how to drive this car. And it's her lap plus my lap. That's, uh, that's what counts. So, doesn't matter if I if I would have been very selfish and gained a little bit against her, you know, then then we'll both lose out. So I'm going to share with her as much as possible uh, and I'm hoping to to get back as much as possible. Uh, I think that's just, you know, how how I want to be as a person and I want to carry that onto the onto the racetrack and into into what I do. So to be proud of to be proud of what I do, essentially. Yeah. Uh, Katie obviously has a lot of experience in uh, rallying, as you say, but uh, uh, she's often uh, struggled, she said to me in an interview, um, due to budget. Some, sometimes she's, you know, not had the amount of testing that maybe um, her uh, colleagues and other teams have had. Um do you uh, perhaps view Extreme as being important because it uh, allows drivers such as Katie to promote themselves and to give themselves this global forum that might might, might not have been available to them otherwise? Yeah, um, I think uh, with the championship being 50% male, 50% female, it uh, gives female drivers a, a unique opportunity to come right into the sharp end of motorsport right at the top uh be paid well for what they do and just be be judged on how well they drive and nothing else so it's really a big step in equality um and i think the world should be like that uh, although it isn't yet but extreme e 
is definitely taking uh, a good direction. And uh, for Katie, she's she's had kind of a similar junior career as as I've had. So I recognize a lot of the struggles that she had uh, into what I had what I had myself in but in single seater. So uh, it's not easy to find the budget and. It's expensive to go in testing and it's expensive to be with the best team. So, uh, but that all changes once you've come through that, once you've come through your junior, junior stage of your career into being a professional driver, as, as I've been lucky enough to be for, for a few years now, then so, so much easier. If you say, um, you know, you are with a team that, that you can trust in, in doing everything for you. Uh, now with Andretti United, uh, they have fantastic history and I have full faith in them doing everything it takes from a team side to do as, as good as we can on track. And then from driver's perspective, both me and Katie can focus on being the best possible drivers we, we can be instead of chasing budgets, etc. So, uh, I think this is the way to have the most successful team and it's the place you want to be uh, as a driver. Uh, so I, I must say I'm, I'm fortunate enough to call this uh, my my job. Um, and I'm very I'm a, I'm a lucky man to to be able to do this. So, yeah, I'm taking every moment to to try to enjoy this. And uh, Extreme E as a whole is a very new challenge. So excited yeah. to see what it brings. A lot of a lot of people will be surprised to hear that you struggled for budget in your single seater career because although um, obviously you're a world champion now on um, on your own merits, you know uh, you do come from a famous racing family and uh, um, it, it's it's fairly normal to hear of, for example, Formula One drivers who come from Formula One families. So uh, it's just a little surprising to hear that the sponsors, uh, you know, were not lining up to sponsor you in those early days because I know you were very successful in karting for example uh yeah but uh, i think the salaries in rallycross in the 90s for my dad and for my mom they weren't they weren't as, as they were in formula one you know so uh, uh my mom and dad they've been running the race team for a long time uh, and that's really all we do uh we we managed to to continue to run this and they've done it for 30 years um but uh it's always been it's always been a challenge to get the sponsors enough to to do the rallycross program for my parents and then doing the single seater bit uh, I took a lot of responsibility for it but I must say I I couldn't quite find enough um, enough uh, budget to to move up through the ladder uh, but looking at looking back at it now I couldn't couldn't have gone any better because you know I came that led me to rallycross that led me to to come home if you say uh and into a sport that that i love and you know finding the passion for driving again and talking to you right now about extreme e uh you know it, it couldn't have gone any better for me so uh, i'm still happy about my junior career although it didn't take me to formula one but took me somewhere pretty great anyway obviously yeah um and um, was one was one of the benefits in your eyes of going to Extreme E the fact that well um, obviously Kevin has signed up for the drivers program as well so uh, you, you you get the chance to be with your brother um, if if he uh, races next season but also you get to travel to some pretty amazing places um, was the opportunity to go to those uh, you know far off places that maybe normal uh, racing drivers do not get a chance to go to part of the reason why you signed up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Extreme E is 
is more than just a racing series. So uh, it's something that motivates me a lot, being able to to talk about the environmental issues that we have and, and doing something something good for the world. Also in representing uh, an equal driver lineup between between boys and girls. Uh, so it's something that I'm very proud of. You know, bringing something something larger than racing, although racing and, and driving is still my biggest passion and something that I absolutely love to do. Uh, now it's also possible to do it, uh, you know, in a, in a more responsible way. So uh, that is that is very motivating for me and definitely a huge part of the series. Um, and But I think it's that it doesn't cost anything from the racing perspective. So we'll still go out to some amazing locations as you said out in nature driving some very fast race cars around very challenging tracks uh uh in race rallycross like conditions you know with cars side by side uh not knowing the track fully uh being able to choose your lines navigate through that environment um so the racing will be fantastic and to be able to do that with with good responsibility of, of the world and leaving behind something, a world that my son can live in and, and his children uh, one day. So, uh, yeah, this, it's, it's, very, it's a big motivation for me, uh, this, whole, this whole thing. Um, have you, been, have you been, been concerned about the dangers of climate change for quite a while? Or is this something that uh, you have learned more about uh, since Extreme E uh, really brought it to the forefront? Um, and for example, uh, w- were you also a supporter of the, of the forthcoming electric WRX for the same reason? Have you always had a strong environmental agenda? Um, I... I would like, of course, to say yes and that I take big responsibility. But honestly, I, I think I know I don't know more than than anyone else. Uh, of course, I I try to do whatever I can. Uh, but having that said, there is always more we can do, and there is more that the world needs to do. So I'm looking forward to learn of how what what it needs to be done uh, to to improve our climate and. Uh, with the electric question, as you said, uh, electric rallycross, that's that's more of a technical side. So yes, of course, it has great environmental benefits, uh, as we all already said, but racing in an electric car is, is a new challenge. It's new technology. And uh, I'm looking forward to that work with the engineers of, of figuring out how to, how to drive an electric car, how to get the most out of it. And uh, there is big potential in to, to become faster. And if, if we can learn things uh, faster than the other teams, which is a big challenge uh, because there are some pretty great teams now in Extreme E. And so, um, yeah, you know, it's it's both sides. It's just adding another dimension, uh, being a net zero carbon footprint series um, and racing for for the planet. Yeah, of course. Um, I I do want to ask you uh, before we before we have to go. Um, who, which of the uh, confirmed teams and drivers do you think will be uh, the um, drivers to beat? Because obviously, um, the lion's share of the publicity went to the X forty four team headed by Lewis Hamilton. But uh, there's also um, Andretti United, which you're part of. There is uh, Ganassi, and there are new teams, uh, Veloce, being confirmed all the time. So. Um, which teams uh, and which drivers stick out to you as being the potential front runners when this all starts? I think this is—it's impossible to say. Um, 
I'm I'm very impressed by how Andretti United has been working this far and how how uh, they're approaching this series and how we're already um, working towards uh, being ready for that first race in March. So uh, that said, it's also other great teams in the championship that we'll be up against. So I have big respect for the competition that we will have. Um, but it, it's impossible right now to say who will who will have the upper hand at the end. It, I think it comes down to who can prepare the best uh, because it's so new, uh, the sporting side. It's Essentially, it's a whole new sport that's being created. So what skills are important and which are not, um, it's impossible to say. And that's that's the challenge that we have right now in the time leading up to the first race, figuring out what is important and how to go fast. Uh, final question, because uh, you, you, you've been a great interviewee and thank you. To what extent do you think natural talent is important in a race car driver and to what extent is it just hard work and sweat on the test track? Well, I think this uh, it's impossible to... What, what is talent? You know, uh, everybody has practiced so much by the time we, we get to world championship level. So I, I always see it as talent is not part of it. Uh, of course, it's part of, you know, I was maybe good at racing when I was a kid, so I thought it was this was fun, and then I spent my time doing this instead of you know another sport. So maybe talent comes into to that part. Uh, the rest, I think, really comes down to to hard work, and in I think the talent is really to learn how to improve yourself. If you have talent to do that, uh, to see yourself clearly and. And what you need to improve, that is really the talent that you need, uh, as well as some luck. You know, we nobody who's at the at the front of their career has come there without without being a bit lucky. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big part. And I'm, uh, however I got here, I'm very happy that I am here, and um, I'm still very hungry to become a better driver. Well, fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, best of luck in Extreme E next season as well. I'm looking forward to hoping, hopefully seeing you on the top step of the podium with Andretti. Yeah, thank you. I- I'm hoping so too. Thank you very much. Take care. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. All the best. So the, these these cars um, are based on the road going versions, um, and yes. th- th- there seems to be a similar kind of level of homologation to maybe um, Junior World Rally Championship. I um, from, yes. from lots of things in, in that uh, we're still using family hatchbacks. We're still using the mm-hmm. effectively one of the smallest cars in the range, or the you yeah. know uh, may- maybe the, maybe the B spec car in the yeah. range. Um, so. We're talking like Hyundai i20, uh, VW Polo, I think, uh, back yes. drives. Um, it, um, no, Christofferson drives that, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, um, Backer uh, is currently in the Megan. Yeah. Um, and, um, of course, the Peugeot um, 208, I think, uh, yes. the Hanson's drive. So um, what kind of differences in the machinery do we have? Because, obviously, with them going electric in 2022... Um, are each privateer team going to have to make their own powertrain or will there, will there be a spec powertrain on offer as there was in Formula E, for example? Um, so by my understanding at the moment, they have the starred, team, the starred company, which are an Austrian-based company, 
they at the moment have got some Ford Fiestas and a Citroen C3 that they are currently running in Project E, which is at the it's like a support series for World Rally Cross, and they're currently running that's solely electric. But as far as I know, Star are going to be offering batteries and full power trains to each team but they also have the option to just buy a car with everything set up outright so it's going to be a bit like um etcr in the sense that um um etcr is being entered by manufacturers but uh, i believe and Neil Hudson um, uh, spoke to me about it uh, on a previous podcast. I believe many of the underpinnings will be spec for that. So it's a bit mm. like that, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Um. So is that a wise move for Rallycross, do you think? Because a lot of the reason why fans adopt a certain car is is not only because they, their favourite driver, driver drives it, but also because they like the differences between the cars. If you go to a more spec-like formula, is that not a problem for, for the fans that have grown up with Rallycross? It could be a problem, but I think a lot of teams are probably just going to take the powertrain and try and fit it to their car rather than take whatever is offered but they have pushed back going electric because they were meant to go electric sooner and that's the reason why at the end of 2018 all the um, factory backing pulled out because there was no certainty on what was going to happen with regards to going electric mm. um so i i've been watching a lot of the uh youtube output of uh, of team hansen and um what, what i guess i love about uh, timmy and kevin uh together is that they've got seemingly such different personalities so that there, was this, there was this one video kind of a carlos and lando style thing where they're unpacking their kit for the following season and um timmy is just sort of standing back being cool but kevin is the one sort of unboxing all the helmets and making comments about the uh, about about the sparko underwear and that kind of thing and i i feel like maybe uh it, perhaps that's just different natural sibling differences but do you get a sense of that uh, as well when when you see them being interviewed when you see them around the track yeah i think timmy generally he obviously he's older than kevin so i think he's he sort of holds back a bit more with some of the things that he says but i think if you put them both in this in the car they will they will they are just as fiery as each other and they will push anyone no matter who they are even the even their brother to the absolute limit mm. Um, and also that there was obviously the uh, really sad incident, I think, in Abu Dhabi where uh, Timmy was quite badly hurt when he came off the Joker lap and was um, was pretty much broadsided by another car. Um, yeah, I think it was Andreas Baccarat that did that. I think it was, yeah. So um, I've, that, that was quite a shocking incident because we don't normally see that in motorsport because obviously mm. in other forms of motorsport you don't have that joker lap um yeah um so 
what what I liked about that was uh, after they'd helped Timmy out of the car and, you know, he was in tears and stuff, um, uh, it, Ke- Kevin looked genuinely moved. Uh, his mother, who I think, um, as he said, was the spotter on the day, mm-hmm. said, said it was one of the worst things she'd ever seen in motorsports. But then uh, but but then Kevin said, OK, not such a good day, but um, I'm going to go and perform for him now. And mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was really nice that you had, uh, you know, two professional athletes performing for each other in that way. Yeah, it, it's lovely to see that they care so much about each other. Like whenever they both get on the podium, they're both. It doesn't. They're, they're not just happy for themselves. They're happy for the for the, their brother because they know that they've been able to extract the maximum out of the car as well, and they've been able to achieve. And they can do it not just for them, but for the team, which is obviously a family-run team. So it makes it a lot more, no, a lot more important for them. Yeah. Um, so Timmy's moving to Extreme E next season. Mm-hmm. Um, it, obviously, uh, we don't know exactly who's going to be driving, but it looks like um, it's going to be mostly people with rally and rallycross experience and uh, mixed in with some track drivers trying their luck. Um, I, I would I would still expect to see someone like Andre Lotterer or Sam Bird uh, having a go on their mm. non-Formula E weekends. But I, I think um, the people at the sharp end are going to be people with uh, proper loose surface experience because they will know how to chuck that big tank of a car around but would you say in that way Timmy is going to be in pole positions too very well and uh, would you maybe class him among the early runners for the championship perhaps? I think I would class him among the earlier runners for the championship because as you said he has got you know the, the, um, the, the loose track experience and that's not something that every driver's going to have had he hasn't done rallying as such and with extremely they're going to be having the co-drivers alongside them which i don't think he's done before but um he would honestly just put as much effort into it as possible and i don't think he's gonna be able to i think he's definitely gonna be a front runner and what he's gonna do is put his heart and soul into it because that's what he does every weekend what is it that makes him special apart from the obvious family heritage and the fact that he's he's always had a chance to uh, drive a car presumably whenever he's wanted to there has to be some kind of natural talent in there because you know not not all famous sons of racing sons of famous racing drivers have gone on to be great themselves so what is it that makes him especially good i think he's he's able to spot the gaps that no one else would go for because in overtaking in rallycross it's quite difficult because the tracks it's not as wide as you'd like and then you sort of have everyone coming from everywhere but he's all he more often than not seems to be in the right place at the right time which could be somewhat luck but also knowing when to put your foot down when to brake properly and also he seems to be quite happy to use the handbrake and turn into corners maybe with a little bit more kick than other drivers would, especially in Rallycross. Now, uh, the the Odyssey 21 does have a button handbrake, I believe. Uh, it, mm. it's, it's been 
added in since the early tests. So presumably that's going to play to his advantage. Um, uh, except for that, uh, we, we still don't know what shape the courses will take. I believe they're plotting those out at the mm. moment. But uh, w would you say that he would do better if it were more of a short track type course rather than maybe, you know, a, um, I, I think it's going to be a 10 kilometer lap, actually. So would you say that uh, maybe the fact he's a rally cross driver, not, not a rally driver, might uh, be a disadvantage there? It could be because um, rally cross tracks are barely a kilometre long most of the time. I think some of the longer ones are potentially two kilometres. And the maximum they'll do around that is six laps. So, I, you know, he's used to doing short laps with the occasional longer lap when they take the joker. But I think if you give him the time to learn what he's got to do, I think he'll definitely be able to thrive. Uh, his his teammate is Katie Munnings. Uh, and she's um, well well known to a children's TV audience for presenting Katie's Amazing Machines for a season. But mm. uh, more seriously, she she's a really good rally driver as well. She she's been in the JWRC this season, and um, so obviously she brings the rally experience. And I, I know Timmy is very much. Um, very much for the sort of uh, one man one one woman format that they've got mm. for the cars, but um, um, how do you think he'll cope as a navigator? Because obviously Katie has has done that, um, or uh, she at least knows her way around pace notes. Whereas you know this is not something Timmy's had to do before. Do you think that'll be a struggle for him? I think to begin with it might be, but Kevin Hansen's just come off the back a couple of weekends ago. He did his he was a step up, um, he stepped up to do a rally. Um, because um, Red Bull, I think, asked him to step up, so he did that for one weekend. So he'll be able to chat to him and try and get some experience and try and pick his brains to get as much knowledge as he can about the pace notes. But I think that's going to be something any driver who's not done rallying before is going to struggle with in extreme. Uh, Kevin, of course, a very rapid driver as well. Um, maybe just slightly below the level of Timmy, from what I can tell, but uh, he's on the Extreme E drivers list as well. Um, mm. So um, how, how do you think he will do? And uh, what's the difference in terms, of, uh, um, in, in terms of the two of them as drivers as well? So I think Kevin would also do pretty well. I think he would take a bit longer to adapt to the machinery, but Kevin did... Um, he's not been in World Rallycross for as long as Timmy, and but he has won two events, and he has also when he did uh, Rallycross Lights, I think that's what it was called. He won every race of the season bar one, so it's not like he's missing any talent. I think for him, it takes him a bit of time to adapt to the machinery and learn it to make sure he's fully comfortable with it which I think if he was to take part in Extreme E, the same thing would happen there. So we've got Extreme E, we've got uh, WRX going going fully electric. Um, how, how excited are you about Extreme E? And also how excited are you about the future of WRX with their new promoter as well? Um, I'm really excited for Extreme E. It's something that I think everyone sort of hoped would come about and it's something that i it the fact that it's not just another racing series it's a racing series that's got you know environmental concerns behind it and it's something that you know you don't see electric cars do this at the moment you don't see them taking part and you don't see the 
you know, the people that have come in to extreme me, Lewis Hamilton's got a team, Andretti have a team, Nico Rosberg has a team. The na- these are names that you would never have expected to take part in something like this a couple of years ago. And now it's just everywhere. And with regards to Rallycross going electric, I saw the um, the starred fiesta go around in Latvia last year. That thing is powerful. Like, they put um, the commentator, Andrew Coley, in the car, and he was just surprised because it, it goes from zero to 100 instantly. You know, it's so, so impressive. And it's just... I'm excited to see Rallycross go electric because it means the fighting will be able to start earlier in the lap. Everyone will be, you know, looking forward to... Some people are upset that there's, you know, the sound of the engines are going to go. But how important is the sound of the engines versus the really good racing you could get out of it as well? I'm just thinking, and you know, bear in mind, I'm I'm a fan of uh, Formula E, so I've I've kind of uh, done my research on Rallycross <laughs> recently. But I I'm just thinking, those um, those cars coming off the Joker laps, which uh, for those who don't watch Rallycross, um, it's where they take a longer part of the track to get around, and they have to do that once, and then uh, it's kind of like a penalty everyone has to take at some point. So mm-hmm. it's strategy. Um, I suppose the Joker lap isn't going to matter so much if if you've got naught to a hundred in no seconds at all. Yeah, potentially, but because you know you've still got to be able to slow down for the Joker lap. I think it will be interesting. I think in um, Project A, um, it's been it's been interesting watching them take the Joker lap, but there's not been many drivers in Extreme, so it's not been the same as watching a Rallycross event. Thank you for listening to the Motion E podcast. Whatever happens in motorsport in the next few months, you can be sure that there'll be plenty of content both on this podcast and also on motione.org for you to enjoy. Also, if you want to take things to the next level, then we've got a Patreon. So go to patreon.com forward slash motioneorg. That's motioneorg. And you can find plenty of exclusive content there, including a regular newsletter. And all of that can be found with a subscription starting at $1 a month.